I have um, a few things I want to share tonight which center around glory, unity, and diversity. It's a broad, 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 broad subject, um, and um, we'll, see, we'll see where we go with it. Um, it's based out of a, an encounter that I had uh, a couple of years ago. It was at Healing Center, actually. Um, before people coming in uh, will worship, uh, just enjoying presence. Because um, ultimately, that's, that's what matters. We can, not so much down to what we say, but it's who is here and whose presence we acknowledge. So that's what was happening. We were, we were led, actually, in an encounter. I think it was Pete, actually, um, led us in an encounter. And this, I would say, to start with, is not necessarily something that I... Um, usually find easy to enter into it's something I've had to work work at and and work from the place of well what was I feeling oh, I was feeling peace I wasn't necessarily seeing anything or, or feeling anything and uh, and that revelation that, that you know that actually peace is him so when you experience peace you experience him um, is that a familiar story for for others around here that if if you've experienced that that actually generally it would be peace or do, what's your experience yeah um I think peace is, is almost underrated sometimes um, because it's him. And there's a really interesting... We know the definition of peace is... is well, the, the word for peace is shalom. has a wide, broad meaning. But I was listening to someone a little while back and they talked about this, the, the deeper meaning or the root meaning of the actual word in, in Hebrew. But it's something along the lines of the destroyer of the one who established chaos. <laughs> yeah. That's peace. He is the destroyer of the one that established chaos. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. <laughs> Jesus, I just thank you for your peace to enter right now in more great, in greater and greater measure into this room. Jesus, I thank you that right now you're destroying chaos. Yeah, you're destroying the things that don't. Look like heaven, feel like heaven, sound like heaven, smell like heaven, or feel like heaven in our lives. So, Father, we just invite you to come in peace, in the fullness of your peace, which crushes Satan. Yeah. Thank you, Father. If you've got pain in your body, if you're facing any situation right now that doesn't reflect what heaven looks like, um, just see what he is doing. Start to check out. Start to move. Sometimes there's this element of um, the act of faith is actually sometimes if we've got pain in our elbow. Actually, who's got pain in their elbow? Yeah. <laughs> I was looking at you and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, okay. So I feel like if you start moving your arm right now, you'll find that that's going. Pardon? Okay. Okay, well, how about that element of chaos in your life has been destroyed right now because peace is in the room and it will never come back because it shouldn't have been there in the first place. Yeah. So, the, the, the picture I had, basically I was lying on the floor and I saw um, a huge, huge, huge staircase and in front of my feet were placed, uh, was placed this white piece of white material. And as I watched, this piece of white material was joined to another piece of white material and then joined to another white piece of material. And it was joined, as I saw, it was like the glory of God, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit was passing over these pieces of white material and joining them. They were different shapes and different sizes. And they were joined to this larger piece, which was moving. 
And in this vision, I knew that it was a bridal train. And I'm stood watching this bridal train move up the steps, up, up. And each and every time there's more pieces of material, different shapes and different sizes being added. And I'm watching. And as, as, as the pieces are joined, you can't actually see the seams. So it's this seamless piece, this beautiful bridal dress. So I, I kind of know what it is. But I ask Holy Spirit. And I say, you know, what are you showing me? And he said, isn't she beautiful? And it wasn't, a, it wasn't a question, it was a statement. And it literally drew me into, almost as if I was drawn into him and I was able to see with his eyes. And if I was to, I, again, I love this, you can point to the spot. I can point to the spot where I was. And it was like my heart was bursting with this compassion, this passion, this love for what he was seeing, which was us, the different shapes and the different sizes. And each time Holy Spirit was passing over and joining more and there was being more being added, more added, more added, more added and more added. And as I looked at this, what was quite interesting was that whilst I couldn't see the joins, he kept on saying, she is beautiful. She is beautiful. And as he was saying this, this this sense of this love was just bursting into my chest. And then I could see the joins. It was really interesting. You could see it and you couldn't see it. And these joining places of the different pieces of material were like, it's like a golden thread. It's golden thread, intricate golden thread joining the bits and pieces together. This seam of glory, as I kind of call it. And I just watched and watched and watched and watched as more was added, as more was added. And eventually we, we came to a place where we were having people come into the, into the auditorium. But in that, it was really frustrating because in that I was here, but I was there. It was, I almost didn't want to sort of leave that place. And that's not, as I say, that's not kind of my norm. So I went from, yeah, I've experienced peace to full on vision um, of the bride. And I think there are... There are, we can have encounters with God, which um, are like moments. And then I think there are encounters that I've, we, I've heard the phrase defining moments, which we could probably, well, for me, I could probably count on a couple of fingers on my one hand to date. Um, which, and those, I think, are the sort of defining moments which sort of maybe shape you, inform maybe stuff that you'd go after or stuff that, I don't know. But I kind of felt this is something of a corporate thing. That sometimes we can have experiences that actually that when we start to explain them corporately, we can bring other people into them. Because actually what we were seeing, what I was seeing, what we get to see is the bride, which is us. And we are beautiful. And I think that... I think that there's a... I think I mean, the need is the right word. I think there's a need that, that we, we start to see each other and we start to see the bride as he sees us. Uh, because we are incredibly beautiful in his eyes. The way I kind of paraphrase what I experience, I guess, is that, that we are the glorious bride of Christ. And it's at the joining place of the golden seam of shared glory that we're united in him, in love. Um, and it's in the beauty of diversity. But there is a means to an end. It's so that the world will know. Because these bits and pieces that were being added effectively are those that are coming to know who Jesus is and entering into this. You know, I get to look at you tonight and I think, oh, you're beautiful. You're beautiful. You are, really. No, we are really, really beautiful. We're different shapes and different sizes. We're different passions. 
different things that make us tick. In Ephesians 2 verse 10... I'm using the Passion Translation, so I think, well, yeah, we've got the NIV up there. But there's something about the Passion Translation when they just expand on a few things. So it says, we have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. He's planned our destiny in advance and the good works that we would do to fulfill it. So in Ephesians 4, verse 1, um, Paul is writing, he says, And a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. It's like, okay. (laughs) What's the calling that we've received? I think that part of this is wrapped up in who we discover, the shape and size we discover and who we are. And we can kind of only do these things based on knowing who we are, whose we are, and what we have been called to. So I've got three things. I think we'll possibly get to the last one. Um, But the first one, we have been called to glory. We've been called to glory. Almost earlier on, I was thinking, I don't know if I'm even going to get off this one. (laughs) Ah, Call to glory. John 17, no, sorry, not called to glory now, I'm not going now, sorry, I just thought actually. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Actually, I'm going to do something, just on a little interlude. My grandmother passed away um, two days ago, and there's a story behind that. Um, I was until... Four years ago, the only person in my family that I would have classed or known as to be someone that was born again. Four years ago, my granny was 97 when she passed away a couple of days ago. Four years ago, she was dying. She was lying on her hospital bed. She called the family. She's down in Devon. And she's, she's basically an organ failure. She's swollen. There's a, there's a lot going on. Uh, and she's dying. And I walk into the hospital room and my aunts and uncles say, oh, you know, you, you spend some time with Granny. We'll go to get a cup of tea. So we had this amazing conversation. I had the most amazing conversation with my grandmother. I learned things about her and about my father that I had never known, including that they'd go to church when they were younger. Anyway, so we're talking away and I get to talk to her a little bit about what's been happening in my life. And I just asked, you know, can I pray for you? And she said, yes. And she explained like she felt this heat and this tingling going through her body. And I explained after, said, well, that's Jesus. And, you know, he loves you. And do you want to actually know him for yourself? And at the age of 93, she said yes. And there in that hospital room, at the age of 93, she became part of that bridal train. <laughs> I just thought of that. Wow. <clears throat> And what was really funny was she had been seeing demons at the end of her bed. Now I know what they were. And she knew what they were. She, she had, my uncle was taking the mickey out of her saying, oh, you know, she's been seeing these black goblins at the end of the bed. And she's like, no, I know what they are. And Sasha's helped me deal with them and they're not coming back. Yeah. So two days ago, she did go to glory. 
She did go to glory. And in Revelation 19:7, it talks about the, the, the wedding feast of the Lamb. And the bride has made herself ready. And she's arrayed herself in fine linen. I just got to imagine her. She's kind of, because eternity doesn't have the timeline. So she's seeing this. <laughs> she's seeing this. Um, and so this whole thing about her, the, the bride being arrayed in fine linen. And it's the, the fine linen are the righteous acts of the saints. This is the Ephesians 2.10. This is the us walking out our calling. So in John 17, 22 to 23, it says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. And then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Habakkuk 2.14 talks about the... Um, Earth being filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the water covers the sea. Um, we, if you're aware, how many are aware of the uh, prophetic word that's been released um, in the last few weeks about a uh, move of God in the southeast of England? Um, it's released here. Okay. Um, it's a podcast. If you listen to it, it's Pete's podcast, um, Rivers and something else. Uh, a couple of last couple of podcasts. We'll give you more details on that. But there is this sense of it. It's talking about the flood in the days of Noah and how water would come down. It was released from the heavens, but also water burst forth from the earth. And I kind of think, like, how on earth is the world going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord? We have the glory within us. And we get to release that to the world around us. There's a bigger part. There's a bigger story on that. I'm not going to go down that route. Listen to the podcast. But we're designed and created and fashioned to live in and carry release the glory of God. Um, has anyone ever heard of Ruth Ward Heflin? Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> there's a book she wrote, Experiencing the Atmosphere of Heaven. It's called Glory, Experiencing the Atmosphere of Heaven. There's a lot in it. There's one particular sentence I love. It said, as the air is to the atmosphere of the earth, so glory is the atmosphere of heaven. It's literally our oxygen. It's what we were designed and created to live in. Like we need oxygen to live on this earth. We need glory. We, we, we literally were designed and created for, for glory. Glory is tangible at times. But this is his realm, his nature, his presence. It's everything that he is. And he's in us, which is quite amazing. Psalm 8 um, talks about us about being crowned with glory. Adam was crowned with glory. So pre-fall... Adam, mankind, was crowned with glory, walked with God in intimacy in Eden, which is beautiful. That word Eden means pleasure. So basically he took us and stuck us in the center of his pleasure. And the original commission was to be fruitful, to multiply, to rule, to reign, and to subdue the earth. Effectively, we were to be the governmental authority or the government of heaven on earth. And it was to expand and it was of abundance and it was to bring freedom. It was to bring all of heaven on the earth. It's quite interesting we look at the word um, uh, to subdue because we have a, an idea of what subdue means as in post-fall. But pre-fall and, and in God's economy, to see, it, talks about being a, it talks about expansion and abundance and freedom. So at the fall, that access to the realm of glory was lost. And I was talking to uh, Mark Hendley. He, he leads our evening school. Um, and if you want to know stuff about anything to do with the Bible and stuff, um, he is an amazing guy to talk to. So I was asking him about Genesis 
um, and just working through a few things. And this is what he said. This is this is his this is his stuff. So internally, when they stepped out from under God's government, externally they lost the right and resources to govern on His behalf. Genesis three to the cross is about getting us back to God's original design, the promise of one to come, the Messiah, the Son of God, who would put all things right. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the sons to the fathers. And then in John 1, verse 12 to 13, it says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right, that's amazing, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So we are looking at the commission being restored. And this really is a beautiful narrative of love restoring um, enslaved often, often, often hearts, <laughs> being restored to a place of sonship, a place of shared glory, of freedom, of hope, of love, of joy, of peace, of honour and significance. And we've been called out, we've been summoned, we've been appointed, we've been commissioned to see his reputation, fame and glory spread across the earth. And we have full access to the unlimited resources of heaven to see it happen. I've got Matthew 16. I was looking at the, the rest, restoration of the um, governmental authority on earth. And uh, in Matthew 16, Jesus is talking to the disciples. They're having a conversation and he's asking them, who do the pe- people say that I am? And they come up with various ideas. But then he asks a direct question. He says, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say and then Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of God, the living son of the living God. I love it. It's when Jesus said, well, this was not revealed to you by flesh or blood, but by my father in heaven. So this is revelation. This is revelation that's come from heaven. has revealed to Peter the true identity of Jesus. He says, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And I think there's some ideas, different ideas about what that means about on this rock I will build but I know in Peter 1 Peter 2 verse 4 to 8 so later Peter writes about this rock or this revelation the cornerstone so the revelation my understanding is that this revelation is basically of who Jesus is so that yeah so you are Peter and on this rock I will build is actually on this revelation I will build my church and I was looking at I will build my church and the phrase, I will build, um, comes from foundations. Actually, look at the translation, that means foundations. And then my church is the Greek word, that I'm not a scholar at all, I, I've got Google, it's great, um, is ecclesia, um, or ecclesia, I think, if you're American. Um, but it's a ancient Greek word, and it, it talks about, basically, in ancient Greece, they had a system of government, of what, one of which was called the ecclesia, and it was called out citizens of a certain age that would be, leave their homes and go to a place of meeting where they would effectively, what it boils down to is set the culture, uh, set the tone, set the values for the places that they lived in. <clears throat> so in Ephesians 2, verse 19, verse 22, I'm doing the rounds on some scriptures here. It talks about us being fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. 
So when you look at that, put it all together, the commission's been restored. We are the governmental, we are an ecclesia, the governmental authority of Christ on the earth. We are his bride, his body. We're heaven's feet on earth. And Jesus is building this governmental authority on earth. It's built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with himself as the chief cornerstone. He sets the foundations. He sets the standard. So the cornerstone is the foundations in which it's set, the revelation of who Jesus is. And that never ends. It's not like we have this revelation of who Jesus is when we get saved and that's it. I think in some ways... It's almost like I feel like we're waking up, and I say we, and this is sort of a, it's been going on over a longer period of time. I know personally, five years ago, I started to wake up. That I had a revelation of who Jesus was, and I had a revelation of the cross. And that was as far as it went. I didn't believe or know that God wanted to heal. In fact, I had a bit of a weird and wonderful theology around that. I didn't know that you could hear from God. In fact, I found prophecy quite scary. I had no idea that all of this was available. And we talk about, it's funny enough, we talk about evangelism and we look at evangelism as evangelizing those people that are outside in terms of outside of knowing who Jesus is. But there is also a sense of a need almost to evangelize a church. Because that's effectively what happened to me five years ago. I met someone called Chris. I worked with him when I, I, okay, bit of background. I was a police officer for seven years. That was BC. Um, (laughs) um, He he was a police officer. I didn't know he was a Christian, but there was something about him. Whenever I was near him, I was like, oh, you you know what's going on in my life. It was weird. I know what it is now. Conviction. It was conviction. Um, But anyway, um, so I met him again. He came to the church that I was prior to here, and he became part of the leadership team. And he started talking about Holy Spirit in a way I had never heard Holy Spirit spoken about. Talking about a relationship with God. And then I was faced with something really quite interesting. I know there's a, a C.S. Lewis quote talking about people talking about Jesus, which something along the lines of he's either lying, he's mad, or he's telling the truth. I think that's how it is. I remember listening to him talking about seeing things appear and disappear because he'd go on missions. He'd talked about wounds disappearing, people being healed, talking about... And I'm thinking, this is messing with my head. Because I trust you, you're a Christian, you're weird. (laughs) Because you're talking about stuff that's freaky and scary to me. But when he was talking about it, this is what happened. There was something in here that went, oh no, this is real. It's like the, the smoldering wick or the bruised reed he won't break. There was this flicker, this tiny, tiny, tiny flicker. And I was caught in this religious mindset that I had to perform and I had to get everything right and and but this little tiny flicker when he started talking about the presence of God when he started talking about the supernatural when he started talking about basically everything that is our birthright something came alive and I feel like that is something that is happening across the board it's been happening for a while but I think it's speeding up that's the sense that I get so this call to to be the governmental authority on, on earth with the foundations of the apostles and prophets, the foundations of revelation, that it's, it's being able to understand and see what's going on in, in heaven. It's about uh, bringing heaven to earth. It's about restoring the flow to earth, the atmosphere, the culture, the wisdom, the resources, the love, the joy, the peace, everything that we find in the atmosphere of heaven that's brought to earth. And in that, we've been called to unity. 
So Ephesians 4, verse 2 to 6. It says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing one one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit. Just as my iPad went boing. Just as you are called to one hope, when you are called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. The enemy hates unity. Absolutely hates unity and has a counterfeit called, that I would describe as uniformity. But uniformity, I think, is based on powerless realm of earthly wisdom. Um, if you went to look to James 3, the idea of what earthly wisdom looks like, it's bitterness and selfish ambition, and it's based in an unspiritual and demonic um, root. But unity celebrates, and it is fueled by heavenly wisdom. And that's where it starts to look like this passage in Ephesians 4 we've just read about, where heavenly wisdom is, has humility, it's pure, it's peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial and sincere. And that sounds to me like 1 Corinthians 13. It sounds like the definition of love. It sounds like God to me. It looks like God. It smells like God. So uniformity for me is like the bedfellow of religion. It's like the antithesis of diversity in the sense that it's complete opposite. It... Uh, it basically, it seeks to deny an individual significance or uniqueness. It homogenizes, it's, uh, it's like a gloop. It pulls the elfin heart down into a sinking mud and it crushes, suffocates and restricts. And at the same time, it whispers in your ear that to be anything other is to be full of pride. And what I mean by other is mean different, unique, sticking your head above the parapet, being actually who you were designed and created to be. And it's also a good ground, for breeding ground for competition, comparison and self-promotion. So in that then, we're called to diversity. So we have unity, but we're called to diversity. It's because we were not created to be the same, we're called to stand out. We are significant and we are unique. And we carry the authority and glory. We are sons and daughters. And we are celebrated and we are worthy of Father God's attention. I don't know if you ever thought of that. Do you, do you know that you're worthy of his attention? <clears throat> the word significant, when you look at the definition, means to be worthy of attention. We are significant. We are worthy of his attention. So each part of the bride has a unique calling, shape, and size. And we're to walk out that calling and we're to touch every part of the world where our sphere of influence takes us. So, how? <laughs> how? How do we do that? Um, a Holy Spirit. And I'll just sit down. <laughs> it's, 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 he's longing to take us off road. He's longing to take us into the places that we couldn't have even imagined that we could go. Um, he wants to empower us to reach these heights and the depths of the love. We can't actually comprehend the love of God without him. We actually need him to even comprehend the love that he has placed in our hearts. He's poured his love into our hearts. And we need him to comprehend it. And he wants to take us on an adventure of faith and of trust into the depths of his heart. And he wants to fill us so completely, but we can't help but overflow with hope to the world around us. So I've got some thoughts and some questions. What time will we... Five, brilliant. Just some thoughts and questions around this.
Um, there are a lot of there are a lot of aspects around culture, the kingdom culture, um, but there's one which I think may be key, and that's honour. We talk a lot about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and, and sure enough, that is how we reach we can reach the world. We, we can reach the world with supernatural power and love of God being released in gifts. But I kind of think, how much do we actually honour or value Holy Spirit? Not the gifts, but how much do we actually honour and value Him, His presence, being face to face? Are we willing to change our program? Are we willing to? Listen and then move and do something different. You know, on Thursday evening, um, I was we were doing the kingdom, kingdom, kingdom culture. How many, how many of you guys were around for that? Yeah. Yes. So we were meant to do a bit at the end, but it seemed that God wanted to do something else. So we were quite enjoying that. But it was noticing what was going on. I mean, it could be quite easy to go, okay, so this is what we're going to do now. But actually what we were noticing was the presence of God was increasing. We had all the different weird and wonderful colors of... Uh, sparkles on the floor that we could see. We were watching, increasing, and people were encountering God. So we could move on with the program, but we thought, no, we're going to honour what God is doing right now, because ultimately we're then honouring those that are with us. Ephesians 4.7 talks about that we have been given grace. Christ has apportioned it. We've got an invitation to grow in grace. (laughs) Which way am I going to go with this? (laughs) Okay, I'll do it this way. We have gifts. We have um, a portion of grace that we have, that we've been given. All of us have a portion of grace that we've been given. And we can learn to grow in that. And there are lots of different ways that we can learn to grow in that. We can experiment with what we've been given. We can ask for impartation. And we can honor the anointing of others. So if I see someone that carries something in particular... There is a fine line sometimes between I, okay, so you see someone that carries something in particular. The healthy way to do this is to say, okay, Father, I honor what they carry. I honor who they are and I align myself with what they carry. Because when you receive something from someone, it is not going to look the same. It may have some similarities, but you're you. Um, so it will manifest itself differently. Okay, so... To each one, grace has been apportioned, and we can value in what we, and grow in what we've been given. Yeah, I am going to do this one. Ephesians 4, 11 to 13. So it says, So Christ himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for the works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity in the faith and the measure of the knowledge of the Son of God, become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Do we recognize, honor, and value the gifts that Jesus has given to the church? He said he would build. It's his foundation. I believe, and I I really do feel that it's key to unity and diversity in the body. And we have a responsibility. Um, We're called to be icks. That's the way I put it. (laughs) That's the only way I can put it. So we're called to be apostolic. It's the icks. It doesn't work with pastor or teacher, but kind of get me with this one. So apostolic, evangelistic, prophetic, and then to teach and to to be able to pastor. If you carry a gift, if you're 
I also, this is kind of maybe a bit controversial, maybe not. If you do, if you are a prophet, if you are um, an evangelist, you also have the responsibility to develop in all the other areas as well, as well as helping to develop others. So basically, Ephesians 4, 14 to 16 When we take responsibility to grow in the grace that we've been given and in the gifts that we see around us and and in this sort of environment, um, then we function together. And according to Ephesians 4, 14 to 16, the outcome would be that we'd be no longer infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wave and wind of teaching, the cunning and craftiness of people and the scheming desires. Deceitful scheming? Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds himself up in love as each part does its work. So in conclusion, conclusion, there is something happening. I think the bride's waking up to the truth of who we are and whose we are and the realm to which we belong and live from. And it is a journey into the depths and the heights of his love. And we get to venture into these spacious places. We get to venture into the heart of a really good father and not the tyrant king of religion. And it's an adventure of faith and we have all eternity to enjoy it. And we get to see the glory and you be united in love and the beauty of diversity. Yes. So that's kind of what I had to say.